Hi everybody, my name's Rahul, welcome. And I'm Barak. Uh, and welcome to uh, our clinical knowledge video on infective endocarditis. Um, infective endocarditis is a, another common interview topic that can come up in the clinical station. This knowledge video will essentially look to cover everything you'd need to answer any potential questions. Um, there is also an associated clinical scenario which uh, will be able, you'll be able to find in the, in the video library. Um, now we'll start off with the definition of infective endocarditis. Um, um, and simply put, it's an infection of the endocardium, so the inner lining of the heart. Uh, and it's important to understand the pathogenesis. Um, so essentially what happens is there is a presence of an infective organism in the bloodstream. Um, and this can be from risk factors such as intravenous drug use, recent surgery such as dental surgery, poor dental hygiene um, and iatrogenic causes. Uh, so we mentioned surgery, but also uh, intravenous lines as well is a, is a notoriously common uh, cause of a bacteremia. But secondly, uh, what, what causes the infective endocarditis is that, the, is that there's an abnormal cardiac endothelium, uh, which facilitates adherence and growth of the bacteria, which can then form the vegetations. And this can be due to damage valves. So uh, for example, they may have had previous rheumatic heart disease. Uh, there may be turbulent blood flow in the heart caused by congenital heart diseases, such as ventricular septal defect, patent ductus arteriosus, uh, and also more commonly from foreign materials, such as prosthetic heart valves or pacemakers. Um, and uh, what could be asked in the interview are common bacteria that cause infective endocarditis. And the two commonest causes are staph and streptococci. Um, now, on streptococci, uh, there are different kind of common subtypes. So streptococcus pneumoniae, streptococcus viridans, which is typically coming from the teeth, streptococcus bovis, and that's typically uh, associated with colorectal cancers and translocation. Uh, your staphylococci, staphylococcus aureus is associated more with intravenous lines or intravenous drug use. And staphylococcus epidermidis is associated with prosthetic material. You also have commonly enterococci and the gram-negative HACEK uh, group of organisms, which are typically more harder to culture uh, on blood culture. Uh, before we move on to talk about the diagnosis of infective endocarditis, um, anything to say, Balric? Uh, no, covered it very well. I think the things I think I, I liked your points about the the different tidbits of information about the different uh, staff and step, streps. I think if you can just tease one or two of those into your answer, um, you know, strep bovis means that we have to think about looking for a colorectal cancer. Um, well, you know, staph or staph or associated with IVDU. These are like things that show that you're not just the average candidate. I think that's quite impressive. Um, so just try and remember a few of those. Uh, and always, always remembering about the increased risk of infection in a patient with prosthetic material inside their hearts. Yeah. Um, so uh, next we talk about diagnosis, which uh, so infective endocarditis is based on diagnosed on the Duke's criteria. And having an understanding of this, uh, a knowledge of this is a must for the interview. Um, so the diagnosis can be made from pathological evidence or clinical evidence. And with regards to the clinical evidence, um, there are kind of major and minor criteria, 
So if you remember, you need two major or one minor, one major or three minor or five minor criteria. Um, and going through each, so the pathological evidence is essentially a positive histology uh, from a vegetation, uh, such as post-surgery or post-mortem. Uh, your uh, clinical evidence, so your major criteria first is either blood culture or echocardiography criteria. So focusing on the blood culture evidence first, uh, this would include uh, typical microorganisms consistent with infective endocarditis from two blood cultures, a single positive blood culture for, for Coxiella bonetti, which is notoriously harder to culture, um, and also persistently positive blood cultures for microorganisms consistent with infective endocarditis. That's your major blood culture criteria. And your major uh, echo criteria is essentially evidence of endocardial, uh, endocardial involvement um, from echocardiography, such as a vegetation, a new dehiscence from a prosthetic valve. Um, your minor criteria to be aware of, uh, so having infective endocarditis risk factors specifically, uh, for example, a predisposing heart condition or a history of intravenous drug use, having a fever, having vascular phenomenon or immunological phenomenon, which we'll talk about shortly, um, and also blood culture or echo evidence that doesn't meet that major criteria. And typically, uh, of diagnosis of infective endocarditis is often discussed in a multidisciplinary team. Uh, and further investigations and management are often directed by the MDT. Um, anything further to add before we move on to investigations, Barry? No, just that you'd be a, you have to be able to talk about the modified Dukes criteria um, and know them well enough to talk about them. Uh, that's it, really. It's just, yeah, and they're not that interesting or fun to learn, unless you're not really inclined, I don't think, but. Uh, you just need to need to learn them, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So you could use this resource or MedCalc is another a good resource just to, to remind yourself of those criteria. Um, so first, we will start in terms of our investigative approach. We'll start with the history. So essentially, the signs and symptoms of infective endocarditis to be aware of. So we'll start with a systemic symptoms. So classically, patients present with fever, weight loss, night sweats, malaise. Um, you may see signs of clubbing in about 10% or mild splenomegaly. Um, you also be looking for signs of acute heart failure and valvular destruction when you're examining the patient. Um, you'd also be looking for vascular phenomenon. So essentially embolization of vegetations that can cause either infarcts or infected abscesses. So if you embolize from the right-hand side of the heart, um, typically more in keeping with those with intravenous drug use um, who have injected bacteria into their veins, you will expect more pneumonias, pulmonary infarcts. Um, if you embolize from the left-hand side of the heart, this can cause infarcts or abscesses in the brain, the kidneys, the spleen, essentially a lot of the major organs. Um, the joints, you'll get arthralgia, uh, and also the skin. So you'll get your classical Janeway lesions, your painless erythematous macules in the palms and splinter hemorrhages. Uh, you can also get immune complex deposition uh, from excess immune stimulation. So this will give you your Roth spots, uh, your Osler's nodes, so your painful nodules on the fingers, and potentially a glomerular nephritis as well. Um, 
in your history, you'd also see you'd be screening for uh, an examination. You'd be screaming for those screening for those signs and symptoms, and you'd also want to screen for risk factors for infective endophthalitis. And what's their dentition like? Are they an intravenous drug user? Um, have they had recent surgery or IV lights? These are the questions that are important. Um, we'll talk about the examination next, which we've largely covered. Uh, but essentially with infective endocarditis being a multi-systems disease, you need a multi-systems examination. Um, so you'd be looking to do a cardiorespiratory neurological examination, and you'd be looking for those stigmata as mentioned, splinter hemorrhages, Janeway lesions, Oz's nodes, clubbing, roth spots, splenomegaly um, are, are, the, are the key kind of classical things that, that you'd be looking for. You then want to supplement that with some bedside tests. So a urine dipstick, you'd be looking for evidence of a glomerulonephritis. Is there evidence of proteinuria, hematuria, but also an infection? You can get um, embolization of vegetations uh, with infection uh, in the kidney. You'd also want to do a 12-lead ECG. So you'd want to know a patient's baseline, but also you'd want to be looking for complications. So do they have an aortic root abscess that will uh, cause a prolonged PR interval? Uh, that, that, that's the indications for an ECG. Uh, and then uh, blood tests. Uh, so you'd start with a full blood count, looking for raised white cell count. You might expect anormocytic anemia. You'd want to check their kidney function. Uh, are they dehydrated in the context of infection? Do they have an AKI? Uh, you may get immune complex deposition in the kidneys and a glomerulonephritis. Uh, do they have a, a liver function derangement? Do they have hepatic congestion from heart failure? Do they have embolization and an acute hepatitis? You also want to check their inflammatory markers, their CRP, ESR. Uh, if they're an intravenous drug user, uh, a kind of good discriminating point would be to mention you'd want to check for other bloodborne viruses as well, hepatitis B, C, HIV. Um, and also typically you see a rise in serum and immunoglobulins when there's more of an immune complex deposition aspect. With your blood test, just to complete, we'd also want if the patient is stable to do blood cultures, ideally before antibiotics are initiated, which would increase diagnostic yield of the blood cultures. And what you need to do is repeatedly take the blood cultures to ascertain if they're persistently positive, um, if they have a persistently positive bacteremia, which as you now know is part of the Duke's criteria. Um, now, finally, we'll talk about imaging. Uh, before uh, moving on to the imaging section, I'll just pause there. Um, anything that comes to mind, Balric, to add to those kind of history examination and initial tests for infective endocarditis? Um, this was a few things. So for examination, I think a nice phrase is, um, yeah, I'm looking for any peripheral stigmata of infective endocarditis. It's quite a nice all-encompassing phrase. Uh, and then you can go on to mention a few of them. Uh, so I was, I think I would tend to say, uh, Janeway's lesions uh, and Osler's nodes, only skin temperatures. I tend to use a rule of three. Um, and bedside tests, hematuria on a urine dipstick um, is one of your minor criteria. Uh, and I remember that's when I was uh, was quite surprised about because it seems like quite a soft way to get one minor. Um, but yeah, so because that's a sign of possible glomerulonephritis. So you don't necessarily need to have a proteinuria. Uh, it to be a positive minor criteria. Um, and the blood cultures, you, you know, I'm sure it's just, as I said, Josie would have been through this as well. There's three <laughs> blood cultures that they need uh, before starting antibiotics. Um, so good just to 
mention that. Um, anything else that I'd say? Just a point about the um, ECG. So one like, really impressive point we'd say, I'd like to look at an ECG now so that I can, so that if there is a prolonged PR interval and the possibility of an aortic root abscess, uh, I can see how this is progressing. But I'd also want to look at any old ECGs to see if this is significantly prolonged to previous ECGs, which may give me a hint of this patient uh, having some aortic root pathology. That's just another thing I thought of. Yeah, I think that's good. Uh, I guess, you know, wh whenever you're looking at an ECG, you need to compare it to a baseline, don't you? Yeah. Um, as, a, as a general point. Um, okay. Uh, so lastly, we'll talk about imaging. So uh, initially, one would start with a transthoracic echo. And as I'm sure you're all aware, it's not 100% sensitive and, and can miss small vegetations. So you're looking for evidence of uh, those Dukes criteria for transthoracic echo evidence. Uh, you're also uh, assessing uh, cardiac function as well to see if there are any other associated complications from the infective endocarditis. Uh, one may then consider a transesophageal echo uh, which can give uh, a higher definition view um, of particularly the valves. Um, a CT PET scan is also uh, another potential imaging modality that can be of potential use. Uh, this can be used to uh, assess for vegetations. It can also be used to uh, assess for response to treatment. So is there any ongoing intracardiac inflammation? Um, and um, has the infective endocarditis actually seeded anywhere else? you know, important areas, have they gone to the joints, gone to the spine? This is all very important information that you'd need to know. Um, and that brings on to the next point. If there is a concern about embolization, um, uh, further imaging is needed. So let's say uh, your patient has neurological changes, you want to image the head and, and so on, all based on the clinical context. Um, so that's a bit about the imaging and effective endocarditis. Um, any, anything uh, more to add, Barrett, before we move on to treatment? Um, yeah, so it's, it's nice to show you've got a good understanding of the imaging and why, because this is a common question with cardiac uh, cardiology registrars. Um, very common, in fact. Um, so transthoracic echo gives you good views of the um, aortic valve, but it does not give you fantastic views uh, of the mitral valve. So to look for mitral valve endocarditis, that's why a TUE is used. And a TUE gives you also better, better pictures of the right-sided valves as well. Um, so that's why the TUE is indicating. If you can get that across, you know, a transvastic echo will give you a good idea whether, whether this patient's got aortic valve endocarditis, but a TUE will give you more understanding of the vegetations of the mitral valve. I can't see them well on the transvastic echo. Um, and yeah, it's a largely consultant-led decision about whether the patient is justified to have a TOE if they current if their transthoracic echo is negative, and that's dependent on the clinical picture and all the other mi major and minor criteria. And a CT PET, I think, quite an interesting scan. So it's a nuclear medicine scan, um, and it basically lights up anywhere that is metabolically active. Um, so given infection, um, so areas of infection or inflammation. Uh, so given that infection is metabolically active, it's used as a screening tool to look for um, emboli, but it's also used as a tool to assess the response of 
emboli to your antibiotic treatment. Like for example, the patient with metaphenicolitis has known to have a uh, emboli to the uh, spine, so they've got a small spinal abscess. Um, then a further CT PET is done to look to see that that inflammation has reduced in size and intensity. So that's how you actually use them. And it's, I think for those interview sessions where, where infective endocarditis come up, having that knowledge about CT PET and when to use it and what the benefits are of a TOE over a transthoracic echo uh, really kind of highlights the difference in a good and a, a very good candidate. Um, and also for the imaging for other emboli, um, so imaging of the head, for example, uh, because it can be very small emboli, largely the scan of choice is probably an MRI to really definitively rule out these small scattered infected emboli. Um, so have that in your mind when you're talking about the imaging you might use to look for emboli, because as we'll go on to later, emboli are very important when thinking about indications for uh, surgical intervention on infected endocarditis. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, very useful information to know. Uh, so next we'll talk about the 